Hello and welcome to Weathersnap. It's Friday, the 30th of June, the last day of June, and I'm Claire Nazir. And my name's Alex Deakin. Welcome along. This week on Weathersnap, we are talking Canadian wildfires and Antarctic sea ice. And also some numbers trickling down about this month's heat across the UK. More about that in a moment. But obviously, we've got today to play with as well. What's going to happen? Well, mm, yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. First of all, let's just talk about the, the monsoon. So every year we see the start of the monsoon at the beginning of June and it lasts for a number of months. It's a proper celebration after the, the really intense heat of the springtime across India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Myanmar and, and beyond as well. But it's been quite a slow start to the southwest monsoon this season, the 1st of June being the official start but it has now started to intensify. In fact, according to the Indian Met Department, several Indian states will see some heavy, if not very heavy, rainfall through the weekend and into next week. Now, the reason why there was a delay is something we've been talking about through the last week, and that's uh, the cyclone Bifajoy, which moved up across the Arabian Sea, and it slowed down the progression of the onset of uh, the monsoon. But we're picking it up now, and there's a lot of rain expected for the next few days, bringing relief, certainly, to much of India and its subcontinent in terms of it's been parched, it's been incredibly dry and incredibly hot, Alex. Yeah, I mean, they rely on these rains, don't they? So it's absolutely essential that they get some. But every year, the monsoon is different if it's a different start time, end time. But intensifies at different parts of the country at different times earlier this week some some places recording 200 millimeters of rain in a day and now we're, we're looking at the next few days particularly bangladesh western uh, myanmar daily rounds of these heavy showers thunderstorms going to build up 600 millimeters four to 600 millimeters building up in some areas and by the weekends the main focus for the heaviest rain is going to become more restricted to the west coast uh, of india the upslopes of the himalayas as well as, you, as you'd imagine there'd be some heavy rain there you know varying amounts of totals from 75 to, to near 200 millimeters of rain you know that is a lot of rain still I and mean, it's not mm -hmm. a lot in mm -hmm. terms of monsoon rains because they, they're used to those kind of about nothing nothing exceptional i should say but it's still a lot of rain you know when you bear in mind parts of east anglia and you see around 500 millimeters of rain in a year and we're talking about 200 millimeters uh to maybe even four to 600 millimeters in a few days so that's you know the same amount that you get in east anglia in a year falling in a few days but you know it is part of the monsoon it is part of this uh, cycle but those kind of rainfall rates are still going to cause some problems. There will be flash floods and uh, further river flooding is likely. So I was digging a bit deeper into why it's now become active. Obviously, one of the reasons is because Bipajoy is now out of the way. It made landfall across the uh, the northwestern side uh, of India. Uh, but uh, looking at our global guidance unit discussion on this, they actually cite something called the SAM, which is actually in its active phase. Now, the SAM, we don't actually talk about very much here in the Northern Hemisphere because it stands for the Southern Annular Mode, Southern being the operative word, because it's a set of westerly winds which are very powerful, which circumvent this Southern Hemisphere. And depending on the distribution of these winds and how strong they are and how they undulate, how they propagate, 
it can really intensify rains, not only across the Indian subcontinent, but also across Australia. And the Bureau of Meteorology have got a lot of information on the SAM because obviously it does impact their weather. So very interesting stuff. And it's something which actually, um, when I was talking to Ed Blockley earlier today, he in fact talked about it in terms of the growth of sea ice as well, Alex. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all obviously going to be interlinked. It's such a big player, this, this SAM, this Southern Annular uh, Mode across the Southern Hemisphere. Like you say, we don't talk about it very much here, obviously, but it is a big player in, in, in terms of global circulations. These The Southern Annular Mode, this coupled climate systems, aren't they, that, that control the climate in the southern third of the world. That's that's kind of the best way of describing it. So they're going to have big impacts on things like the ice around the Antarctic. And as you said, that's what that's what Dr. Ed Blockley talks about in his interview that he did with him earlier. Dr. Ed Blockley, great to have you back on the show. First of all, just give us an overview of where we are at in terms of Antarctic sea ice, when the minimum is, when the maximum is, and where we are now. So Antarctic sea ice extent generally reaches a, a maximum at the end of September and a minimum around the end of February. As of now, in the end of June, we're, we're sort of roughly halfway through the growing season of Antarctic sea ice. How do you measure the extent of Antarctic sea ice? We have satellite records of Antarctic sea ice extent going back to 1979 and the sea ice extent is measured from the satellite by looking at the brightness of the ocean surface. So why is it important that we monitor what's going on across the extremities of the southern hemisphere? Sea ice is very much a barometer of changes in the climate system because it's very sensitive to increases in temperature because it has a clear sort of melting point. So when the ocean gets to a certain warmth, then sea ice doesn't form. At the same time, it's very important because it's white. And so it, it reflects a lot more of the sun's radiation back to space than does the ocean by itself. Let's put this into perspective. We're talking about a huge amount of ice, which obviously will have impacts elsewhere across our climate. So give us a few numbers. So Antarctic sea ice generally ranges from around about two and a half million square kilometres at the summer minimum. And at the maximum, it can be up to 20 million square kilometres. So the seasonal growth and melt of Antarctic sea ice is really quite huge. You're saying we're around mid-season at the moment. Where are we actually this year in 2023? The current Antarctic sea ice extent is around 11.8 million square kilometres which is hugely below average and in fact is around 1.3 million square kilometres below the next lowest recorded level, which was recorded last year. So why has this happened and what are the major concerns? Antarctic sea ice has been very low now for a number of years. In February, we saw the lowest recorded minimum Antarctic sea ice extent, which was um, just a little bit lower than the, the record minimum that was recorded last year. And it has grown very slowly this year compared to normal. That anomaly has just increased during the season, particularly since the middle of May. What's the driving force here? Air temperatures around Antarctica have been really quite warm this summer. And also there have been some anomalous circulation patterns with the Amazon Sea low being slightly off centre, which is sort of driving more warm waters towards the Antarctic sea ice in some key regions. Was this anticipated? 
did it take scientists by surprise how low it actually still is? The extent of Antarctic sea ice this year is is phenomenally low, and, and I would say it's surprising. It's very much surprised me how low the Antarctic sea ice is and, and particularly how slowly it has been growing because it's the growing season right now heading towards the winter there. And so we would expect to have seen a lot more ice than we are currently observing. So we are really looking with keen eyes for the next two to three months to see whether there's an uptick in growth. Absolutely. There's still a lot more winter to go in the Antarctic and, and the winter is always relatively cold because it's devoid of sunlight in the polar regions. So there still will be some growing happening of the sea ice and there's the possibility that it can recover. Ed Blockley, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Our thanks to Dr Ed Blockley, who is the scientific manager of the Met Office's polar team. Now, a bit of a test for you here, Alex. You know, I know you love a bit of a quiz. Love a quiz, me. Only when I know the answers, though. Right, so Ed talks about an absolutely huge number, and that's the maximum extent of Antarctic sea ice during its winter. And he talks about it in terms of 20 million square kilometres. And it's, I think it's hard to fathom. What does that mean? I mean, how big is that? So in terms of countries... Yeah. How big are we talking? Equivalent. Huge. Like you say, 20 million kilometres. But I mean, most people wouldn't, you know, how big is Wales? That's often used as a, as a comparison. <laughs> but I, I give you a clue. It's a lot bigger than that, right? It's a lot bigger mm. than Wales. China, how big is China? Well, looking at my stats, it's 9,585,000,000 million square kilometers nine and a half million square kilometers. nine and a half square was so less than half the size so nine and a half million square kilometers yeah and the u.s okay. just pips it just above as well so but uh, not so, the biggest country so the biggest country by land is russia right 17 million kilometers square so that even that is less than the extent of the arctic sea ice. so you can imagine that amount of ice covering the southern hemisphere must have an absolutely huge impact on our, our global climate. Hence the reason why so many scientists are concerned about it right now, because obviously we, we really need some regrowth through the second half of the winter as we sort of push through. Now, uh, Dr. Ed Blockley said he was happy to come on this programme again when he's got more numbers, but he's keeping a keen eye on it as well. So interesting stuff there. So let's go from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere to good old blighty the uk we'll keep we'll keep it on the numbers though right we'll keep it on the stats because people love that we do talk a lot about stats on this show don't we wow yeah who doesn't love a stat who doesn't love a good weather stat i mean this month we lost r.i.p my favorite weather stat of all time oh you know what it was it was a sad day because 13th of june it was your baby wasn't it well, I like to think so. I like to think so. I mean, it was really Dr. Mark McCarthy's baby because he came up with it. But uh, that statistical anomaly, the, the 13th of June, for those of you who are unaware, I mean, how could you possibly be unaware of this amazing stat? Until this year, the 13th of June was the only day during meteorological summer that hadn't reached 30 degrees Celsius. What a cool stat that was. This year, it's gone. It is no more. And I can only just talk about it now, th- almost three weeks later. I'm kind of coming to terms with it. But with, there is a new stat, only because I've been given a new stat about winter, but I'll, I'll save that for another time. 
because it's too juicy just to give it all up and want it but that's helped me get over this 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 um, serious serious issue but let's talk about the june stats as a whole not just one specific day because it has been very warm okay so the key thing is right we've still got a few hours to play with here so they won't be properly released until next week but 10 days ago I know that the climate statisticians here in the Met Office, they were all pretty confident this was going to pan out to be the hottest June on record. And my goodness, I can't believe some of the numbers. They've absolutely smashed the last record. Yeah. And it, this is, you know, you say there's still there's still time to go. But, we, we, you know, we called it. The Met Office have called it and called it a couple of days ago. This is the hottest June on record. And we don't we don't make bold statements like that unless we're absolutely sure. You know, the scientists in this building want to be want to be doubly, doubly, triply sure, understandably. But we are so confident we've broken this record that we made that call. We put it out into the media as well. It has been the hottest June on record because we are so far ahead of the previous record. It has been such an exceptionally warm month that we know that when the stats come in, when we add them all up through the end of Friday, by Monday, as I say, that's when the official stats will be reached. We know that this will be the hottest June on record because we are currently running around about a whole degree above mm. the previous record. And we are currently running, in terms of maximum temperatures, three, almost four degrees above uh, the average. That's not the, above the record, that's above the average. And the mean temperature is around two and a half degrees above the average. And even the minimum temperatures are a degree or so above uh, the average. So we are above and pretty much every count, as you might imagine. It, what's really remarkable, it hasn't been any exceptional heat. Okay, we got to 32.2 in a couple of days. Uh, but we kind of get used to 30 degrees in June now because it happens more and more frequently. But there hasn't been any extended periods of exceptional heat. What what we've seen through the month is we had the easterly to start with, right? So the east coast was cold for the first mm -hmm. week, mm -hmm. but the west was was already warm, warmer than average. Yeah. And then we saw the switch in wind direction, southerly wind. The heat humidity has been building and temperatures have just been above average, significantly above average ever since. And even though we've seen a few thunderstorms, uh, it hasn't really dampened the temperatures. Every now and then we've seen a bit of a dip. And even though the last few days have been around average, nothing to touch what we've seen just because we've had that consistent spell. There's a really interesting graph that we've been talking about. I talked about in the deep dive, uh, the Malthus deep dive uh, on Tuesday. So check that out on our YouTube channel. That talks all about the stats. Uh, and there's a really interesting graph that shows the plot that builds the aggregate average up over the time of June. And we are saying, so far above that previous record and, and way, way above the, the average. It's been a sunnier than average month as well, going to be in the top five, might even be in the top three. And obviously it's been a drier than average month, although after an exceptionally dry start, it didn't rain for like the first six or seven days anywhere almost we have kind of caught up we are now drier than average but a long way above the the driest so um yeah really really fascinating month and 25 degrees more than in excess yes. of more than a fortnight which is crazy and this is before even the school holidays have broken up although i know scotland now are breaking up but you know this is a precursor to our summer and so hotter than last june and last june look how the summer went not saying it's going to happen this time but certainly there's a lot of heat in the ground already and also we are surrounded by extraordinary warm seas as well yeah um, marine heat wave which obviously does influence particularly coastal waters coastal um, districts of the uk so everything's there and then we have this surge of humidity as well as everything else um towards the end of that period of really dry and, and settled weather where we saw those thunderstorms. So that really injected more heat and 
energy into the atmosphere, hence the reason why we then saw uh, a 32. So it's been, I've never known anything like it really. I'm talking about extremes. Let's talk about something else which has been in the skies across uh, the UK for the last few days, if not a little bit longer. Let's just give a bit of context to that. We're talking obviously about the Canadian wildfires and the smoke, which really just engulfed much of the northeastern quadrant of North America. But looking at the news headlines, it's harrowing, really. It really is. Canada is experiencing some of the most destructive wildfires as a season on record with hundreds of blades, a lot of them completely out of control, coast to coast as well, not just in one particular place. We talk about the Quebec wildfires, but they are pretty much dotted around the country and they are still blazing. That's the problem. So they're producing a huge amount of smoke and soot which has been captured across um, many parts of North America, particularly the eastern side, on satellite imagery through the last few weeks, if not longer. Air pollution has been a real problem as well. Hazy skies, air quality alerts. And then because of the nature of where we get some of our weather from at times through the year, it's been picked up by the winds and the smoke has now just traveled across the Atlantic and they, the smoke is now visible across these skies of the UK and beyond. Yeah, we're talking less for again for a couple of couple of weeks, if not longer. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, New York City was covered in that smoke, wasn't it? Big, big news. Now we're not talking about that because that was quite low down. What's happened here is the smoke has been caught up higher up in the atmosphere. That's drifted across the Atlantic because we've had a more of an active jet stream, and our weather's been coming from the west and that's something we picked up on a satellite image again in the deep dive on youtube on tuesday and it was mostly then across the bay of biscay but since then we've had a weather from push north draw the draw the smoke up with it and it was noticeable this morning here in devon uh some of the guys in the op center picked it up on their on their weather cameras the smoke the veil of smoke came across at about five o'clock in the morning so interestingly people talk about smoke making sunsets more vivid but that's not really true what it does it just kind of makes them a bit more atmospheric it doesn't enhance the colors because the smoke particles are too big to scatter the light. So you don't get those enhanced colours. It just makes it a bit more atmospheric, a bit more moody, if you like. And mm -hmm. that's what happened when, was it the Portuguese wildfires got drawn up by 2017, 18, by that storm of yeah. that came across mm -hmm. and drew up. And then, then we had that very atmospheric again uh, morning here. So it doesn't necessarily make those sunsets prettier. It just makes them a bit spookier almost so yeah that, look out for that over the next couple of days uh, i think it will be clearing away uh before the weekend but um certainly next couple of mornings and evenings as the sun sets you get that get that more reflectivity of the of that smoky layer high up in the atmosphere and it is no, high up it is high up and obviously the rain is going to be cleaning a lot of the yes. uh, the, the dust and the soot and the smoke out and uh but there is a really interesting satellite picture on our twitter feed which yeah. we where we just point out where that is. You can actually recognize what's the cloud and what is the, the smoke. Um, so that's, you know, right now. Alex, let's talk about July, the first few days of July, because there's been a real step change in our weather through the last 48 hours or so, well, a bit beyond that, actually. But it feels a bit fresher, certainly. And obviously, yeah. we do need the rain, and we're seeing some rain, especially across the northwest of Scotland, where a few weeks ago on the podcast, we were talking about water scarcity there. And now they are getting some sort of, as we talk about, moderate continuous rain, which is really good rain for, for uh, just absorbing into the land. So what's happening? Well, low pressure. Basically, the jet stream shifted. So for most of June, the jet stream was up across Iceland, taking the lows up there. We were in the kind of 
southern portion of the jet to the south of it, where all the warm air is and the high pressure is, hence why we've had such a record-breaking June. The jet's been wiggling around over recent days. We've seen a few troughs bringing weather fronts and bringing more atmospheric, more less humid conditions. But now the jet stream's kind of more zonal, so it's more of a straight line and it's almost a direct hit across the UK. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a, a grim weekend for most parts of the UK. Actually, the first couple of days of July look pretty good, bright and breezy, probably the best way to describe the weekend. But the low is going to sit just to the north of Scotland. And here, yes, some very strong winds for the time of year. You know, nothing exceptional, but unusually strong winds and, yes, some, some welcome but heavy and persistent rain over the highlands through Saturday and Sunday. That rainfall total, even Monday as well, rainfall totals could really build up. So useful rain, yeah. Gusty winds as well. Not a weekend to be heading into the mountains over northern Scotland. You mentioned earlier the schools are broken up. So, yeah, think of something else to do with the kids rather than head to the mountains this weekend in northern Scotland because it is going to be unusually, unseasonably windy and also pretty wet. But most of the rest of the UK, first weekend in July, pretty good. Temperatures close to average, bright and breezy. Might catch a shower, but most places dry with sunny spells and we'll have lost that humidity. So the nights will be a little bit more comfortable. So it's not really a, a day to be playing badminton in Kinloss then, would you say? <laughs> Outside. Was that, was that, is that what you're doing this weekend? I just I remember my childhood when it was windy, we couldn't play badminton outside. And, you know, the pathway was always the net because obviously we didn't have a net. And, and, the, and the shuttlecock would go anywhere apart from towards your racket because it was too windy. So, wow. yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I think um, last week we were talking to Aidan. He went to Pixie World or something like that. Oh, that was, it was, Pixie, was it Pixie Day in Ottery? Yes. Pixie Day, yeah. that's Pixie right. Day, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one of Ottery's many quirks and slightly strange uh, annual habits, along with the tar barrels. Uh, yes. uh, the Pixie Day is is right up there. Um, I'm not entirely sure what happens, but um, no. yeah. I haven't heard, we haven't heard a debrief yet about how Aidan no, got on there. I look forward to that. When it may, yeah, I look yeah. forward to that. Um, so that's it for WeatherSnap, Alex. Have a brilliant weekend. Yes, thanks very much. And thanks to you for listening. Once more, it's been a great WeatherSnap. Thank you very much, Claire. And uh, we'll do it again next week, shall we?